Listen, we're in the middle of a series about church, um, what it is and what we're all doing here and how we can do life together for the glory of God, how we can uh, serve one another and love one another. And today we're looking at how sometimes we approach church with the wrong attitude. Uh, before we dive into that, let's have, a, let's have a quick prayer, why don't we? God, we thank you so much once again just for our time together right here, right now. A time to just acknowledge your power and your grace and, and your holiness. Uh, we've come here today to kind of get out of the world and gather together as a body of believers who trust in your Son and believe in the cross. And if we haven't already done so this morning, God, we invite you into this place. We want the Spirit to fill our hearts and our minds as we seek to be closer to you and to one another. God, we pray for those in our community of faith that, that are hurting this morning. Or maybe they're experiencing a high level of stress over something they can't control. Or perhaps they're waiting on test results. Or maybe they've already received those results and life is about to change. And so by the power of your Holy Spirit, remind them that you're available. That you care. And that you can transform their situation. I will give you thanks today for your church. Your church universal. We, we thank you for the support and the partnership that we have with other local congregations here in Cabot. And we ask that you continue to bless those relationships that foster unity among your people. We pray for our Savior Lutheran Church here in town and ask that you continue to work in them and through them to accomplish what you've called them to do. God, continue to work through this sermon series that we're in and just open our eyes and our ears to new revelations in you. Get me out of your way this morning, God. Hide me behind the glory of your cross so that you may be heard today. And now, God, hear us collectively as we pray the prayer Jesus taught his disciples when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So we are, um, we're following this uh, a little book entitled, I Am a Church Member by Tom Rainer as a, as a guide for this series. But really we're digging into the scriptures to support all of the things that Tom mentions in his book. Um, but really, you know, we just, we want to learn how to be the best church member that we can be or how we can get the most out of our church membership. And, and I know that may sound a little strange to say it like that. Like, you know, what do you mean how we can get the most out of our church membership? But really, that's sort of how we approach just about everything in life. Uh, what's in it for me is kind of in the back of our heads. Uh, so how can I get the most out of being a part of this local congregation right here? Um, we're used to participating in things that, that benefit us somehow. It may improve my business relationships. It may and increase my positive reputation in town. If I've got one, you know, I'm trying to boost that a little bit. It may help me feel better about myself. It may help me get in shape. It may help me make more money. It may improve my chances for a promotion. It may highlight my kids for 30 seconds of fame. Whatever it is, there's usually a reward associated with me participating in something. And if there's not a benefit, if there's not a reward, a lot of times we don't participate in it, do we? We go do something else. But when it comes to church membership, the benefits are a lot different 
than what the world has to offer because the benefits are spiritual in nature. And so they're, they're much harder to define and to quantify and to pinpoint and to recognize because the benefits are not of this world. Out there in the world, we receive benefits and rewards really um, based on things that we do, based on actions that we take or decisions that we make or the people that we know or the effort and hard work that we put in or the risk that we're willing to take. But the benefits of belonging to a local church are a direct result of who Jesus is and what he did. You have nothing to do with it. I have nothing to do with it. Other than the fact that we were helpless, hopeless, and homeless before we submitted and surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. This thing that we're all doing here, it's, it's not about us. It's about God. It's about coming together as a body of believers on a regular basis to acknowledge God's majesty and holiness and live under his rule. We call that worship. And the common word used in the Bible, both in the Greek and the Hebrew, for worship literally means to bow down. And so biblically speaking, we don't have Sunday morning services so that we can um, get something out of it. We have Sunday morning services so we can bow down. There was an older gentleman who attended a church faithfully for, for decades, and I may have mentioned this in the past at some point, but he, um, he was the guy that he never agreed with what the decisions that the board made. He, he didn't like the direction the youth group was headed. Um, he, he always criticized the children's minister, never had anything good to say about the messages that were being preached on Sunday morning, but, but he had been there longer than anybody, really, so he felt like he knew what was best for the church, and one Sunday, when the service was over, and the people were kind of filing out of the back, and uh, the pastor was in the back, and uh, shaking people's hands, bidding them, you know, farewell, and have a good week, and the older gentleman walked by the pastor, and he said, Pastor, I didn't get anything out of that worship service, to which the pastor replied, that's okay, we weren't worshiping you, <laughs> Right? Oftentimes, we approach church with a, a consumer attitude. Uh, we're looking for certain needs to be met. And, and if the church can't meet my needs, then we either go church shopping or we just quit messing with the church altogether. People just stop, right? And I've witnessed this throughout my years in ministry on a regular basis. I've, I've had exit interviews with people that just point blank told me, listen, the church isn't meeting my needs or meeting the needs of my family. And, and I get it. I mean, on some level, I understand what they're saying. It's, it's really hard to verbalize what's really going on. And most people don't recognize the spiritual warfare that's leading to a distorted view of what church is and why it exists. I realize that people want a church where they, they feel comfortable, they feel welcome, where the kids like to go, or they, they feel like they're growing spiritually and they're contributing uh, but most of that, if not all of that, is on them. You've heard the saying, you get out of it what you put in it. It, it applies to the church as well. It just does. And, and so if you, if you feel like you're not being fed spiritually, you might want to do a self-assessment to see if you're eating the right stuff. Are you taking a Bible study? Are you in a small group? Are you serving others? Do you pray daily? Do you give? Do you sacrifice? Have you shared this feeling you've got with your pastor or the youth minister or the children's minister? Have you done anything to resolve the feelings that you have? 
And some people are like, well, you know what? Listen, um, every Sunday morning, it is a struggle for our family. My kids complain every single week, and I'm getting tired. They're wearing me out, and I think we're just going to call it quits. We're going to take a break. Listen, there is a reason God gave those children parents. There's a reason God gave those children you. It's because they can't make rational, mature decisions. So you keep dragging them to church, reinforcing the behavior, and the Holy Spirit will catch up to them, I promise you. When we approach church with our preferences and our desires, creating a wish list that's got to be satisfied, we'll never be satisfied. That approach just leads to a, a superficial faith. A faith that's based on what you can see and what you can feel. It's really not a faith that's based on an intimate relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may have heard the, the reference to, to churches splitting over the color of the carpet. Has anybody heard that before? It may just be a, a pastor deal. I don't know. Uh, churches splitting over the color of the carpet. But it, it's sort of a low-risk example that pastors use to describe the silly things that cause drama within a congregation. Um, and you can picture those, those meetings, right? I like red carpet. Well, I like blue. Well, I, I think it needs to be neutral so that it doesn't really show any stains, right? And then there's that one person who's like, I, like, I like purple, and I like shag, and it needs to be on the wall. And you're like, all right, whatever. I don't know where that came from, but okay. And as, Im- as important as some people think the color of the carpet is, God doesn't care. He just doesn't care. It doesn't matter. What matters is what we do as a result of what we say we believe, You're not going to find the color of the carpet in our doctrine. You're going to find a set of biblically-based statements of faith in Jesus Christ. And I've been in a lot of meetings where I didn't get what I wanted, right? And I've learned to submit to the collective voice of the body because I'm not always right. I don't always have to have it my way. If it's not doctrinal, it's not a fight I'm willing to fight. It's not a hill I'm willing to die on. It just doesn't matter. So if you don't get your way in the church and the church opts to go with the purple shag carpet on the wall, those aren't grounds really to take your ball and go home about. Those are just differences of opinions on matters of personal preference, not on points of doctrine, what we say we believe. And yet, how many times have we seen the proverbial carpet become contentious? How often do we allow the preaching style and the music style in, in worship be the determining factor of whether we become or stay a part of a congregation? How often do we let uh, the, the coffee and the donuts or the lack thereof become part of the decision as to whether or not we're going to continue to go to a church? How often do personal quarrels over silly little things that have nothing to do with, with God divide us? We get hung up on our personal preferences that don't have anything to do with God, but everything to do with our wants and our desires. And our spiritual enemy capitalizes on that and uses that to separate us from the body of Christ. And this is one of the issues that was going on in the church in Corinth, and Paul had to address it. The the letter, 1 Corinthians, starts off, it's it's about this. So here's what he writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 10. Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no division among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. 
My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. And what I mean is this. So he's about to tell them what he's heard. He knows exactly what's going on. What I mean is this. That one of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Paul, Apollos, Cephas, Christ were all teachers of the same gospel, right? They taught the same thing. Their doctrine was identical. And yet the people at the church of Corinth, they found some reasons to, form, to choose sides and form these cliques and, and make some external, silly, unnecessary quirk become divisive and detrimental to the body of Christ there in Corinth. And even though doctrine, what we say we believe, is greater than the color of carpet, for some reason the carpet is often what causes so many problems in a church. And so when Paul says that we should all agree on what we say and that we should be perfectly united in mind and thought, he's talking about the color of the carpet. He's talking about the times that you have worship and the location and the design of a new building or the format of small groups and Sunday schools. He's talking about music and liturgy and pipe and drape and the way we dress the Lord's table and how we serve communion. I mean, everything that doesn't strike at the root of Christianity, I think Paul would say, does it really matter? We are here to worship, to submit, to give sacrifice and to serve one another with the gifts that God has given us. And I've got, I've got to tell you, I'm so, so proud of you. I'm proud to be your pastor because I know starting a new church hasn't been easy. We have all had to be flexible to make this thing work. And there are people in here who love the feel of a sanctuary and the atmosphere of tradition and, and row after row of, of beautiful pew and the sound of an organ rattling the stained glass and singing hymns from, um, that were written hundreds of years ago. I, man, I get it. I grew up in that. And as important as some of that all is to us, We see what God is doing right here, right now, and we understand that the Holy Spirit is moving in powerful ways, and we're reaching new people for the cause of Christ. I mean, people are excited about their faith again. They're excited about the fellowship of believers. Kids are running around everywhere. We had over 90 students Wednesday night, right? And all of this supersedes our personal preferences and desires because God is moving. Our weekly gatherings, they're, they're not because we all share the same love for setting up and breaking down on Sunday morning. It's because we share a love for Jesus Christ. He's the tie that binds. Our gatherings are in response to what he did on the cross. We're instructed all throughout the scriptures to worship the Lord your God. And, and th- this has led some people who, who haven't really studied the Bible, or maybe they don't have a very high opinion of Christianity or, or God, but they have led them to make an argument that this is a very um, arrogant and egotistical statement from God, that God would have to command his people to worship them. You know, if, if they really loved him, wouldn't they just worship him anyway? But listen, that this command from God to worship the Lord your God, that, that is for our benefit, not God's. We are transformed in the process of taking our attention and our focus off of ourselves and putting it where it rightfully belongs, which is on God. Let me share with you some snippets of Scripture here that describe what worship is all about and who is deserving of it. The Bible says that 
that God is high and he is lifted up. The splendor of his being fills the sanctuary as the seraphim cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 10,000 times 10,000 serve him, ascribing to him wisdom, blessing, power, honor, and dominion. The earth melts at the thunder of his voice. The mighty winds rush before him. The sea roars. The trees clap their hands at his coming. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. The worshiper trembles before God's judgment, confessing his or her nothingness before the consuming fire. His temple, in his temple, everything says glory. And to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. I mean, I could have easily gone on for the next 20 minutes with statements out of the Bible of praise to God. But I just wanted to give you an idea of what worship is really about. What our gatherings should consist of. What the focus should be. It is about bowing down. It's about submission. It's about surrender. It's about giving up our personal preferences and desires and serving one another in Christian love. Over the years, I've been in a lot of worship services seen a lot on television. I've experienced them at conferences. Um, I've been to many chapels and churches. And early on, you know, the music wasn't always great. The preaching hardly ever was. Long prayers, liturgy I didn't understand, monotone voices that really encouraged daydreaming and napping. Um, And and even though we were there worshiping an almighty God, I I just couldn't get into it. I, I wasn't feeling it. It wasn't until many years later after I had grown and matured and experienced the Holy Spirit, that I I looked back and I realized that the church and the speaker and the music and the programming and the carpet and the people, they weren't the problem. (laughs) I was. I wasn't allowing myself to receive God's transforming grace through His Word and through music and through prayers. I wasn't open to worship because I wanted to be entertained. I wanted to be served and catered to because I had a consumer attitude, not a contributor attitude. I wasn't approaching each Sunday with an attitude of, I'm going to bow down to this God of mine. I wasn't doing what I needed to do Monday through Saturday either so that my Sunday was special. The attitude that that I had back then reminds me of a a story um, about Henry Ward Beecher. Henry was a a pastor in a prominent church in Brooklyn. Um, He was a great speaker, a great preacher. He would pack the house. People would come from all over to hear Henry Ward Beecher. One day he invited his brother Charles to to, uh, preach that day, but they didn't tell anybody about this arrangement that they had, and so they were both sitting up there. But when it was time for the word to be spoken, Charles stood up in the pulpit. Um, And when he did, some folks realized that Henry wasn't going to be preaching, so they started making their way to the exit. And that's when Charles said in a loud voice, all who have come here today to worship Henry Ward Beecher, 
may exit the room. If you're here to worship God, please keep your seats. Our attitude towards worship says a lot about our faith. You see, worship, it doesn't come from what what people say from the pulpit or how people sound when they sing or from anything that we do outwardly, really. Real worship comes from within the heart. It's what we give God. And as as a church member, our wants, our likes, desires, and preferences should not be at the top of the list. We're actually supposed to think in terms of being a servant instead of being served. And that word servant or serve, it it appears in the New Testament over 100 times, which really should be an indication of how important it is. But beyond that, Jesus said in in Mark 9.35, he said, listen, anybody who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He also said in the Gospel of Matthew, he said, listen, even I, this is, this is God incarnate, right, in Jesus. Even I didn't come to be served, but rather to serve. Serving is important in the kingdom of God on earth. We'll never find joy in church membership if we are constantly seeking things our way. It's quite the opposite, yeah, right? You, you will find the greatest joy, joy when you choose to be last, That's the paradox of Christianity. On the surface, it doesn't even make sense. Just like it didn't make sense that that God, out of his deep love for us, became human in the form of Jesus, who didn't consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage, but he emptied himself, assuming the form of a slave. And he humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, so that you and I could then walk in freedom from sin and death. And Paul, who wrote those words, said, that's the mindset that we, as church members, should have. That we should have the mind of Christ. We are to be servants. We are to be obedient. We are to put others first. We are to do whatever it takes to keep unity in the church family. If we approach church membership from the perspective of entitlement, we've got it backwards. We should always ask first what we can do for the church, not what the church can do for us. And when that's our attitude, when we have the mind of Christ, that's when we will discover the joy of being last. Which leads to our third pledge in this series. Each chapter has a a pledge. This one is, I will not let my church be about my preferences and desire. That's self-serving. I am a member in this church to serve others and to serve Christ. My Savior went to, the, to a cross for me. I can deal with any inconveniences and matters that just aren't my preference or style. And so with each of these pledges, um, with each chapter that we have, it's just a reminder of, to us of what it means to be a member in the church of Jesus Christ. And so towards the end of this series, we're going to be mailing out a membership packet to, to everybody. And so if you, if you desire to be a member of the Vine here at Cabot, then um, you'll have an opportunity to, to fill some paperwork out and bring that on a Sunday. We'll have several Sundays in a row after this series where you can, you can bring some information because we're missing a lot of information, but bring some information. These pledges will be part of that 
um, commitment, and, um, and you'll be able to sign uh, the membership book, officially becoming a member of, the, of this church. If you're visiting with us today, you can be a part of this process as well. We're, we're just now kind of figuring this out. We're still getting organized. And so we hope that you will um, stick with us through this journey. Next week, the message is on prayer. And I know that's a big topic for a lot of people want to know more about prayer. So I hope you will join us next week. Let's pray real quick. God, again, we thank you for this, this time together. We thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the Apostle Paul and his teachings and, um, and as well as the, the other authors of the New Testament, letting us know how we, should, how we should act and behave and how the Spirit should be transforming us and our hearts being molded into the likeness of Christ so that we can um, be the church members that you've called us to be, so that we can stand out in our communities as light in a dark world, so that people who are hurting and confused and, and um, battling a, a spiritual enemy that they don't even recognize, they can look at the church and go, you know what, something's going on over there and I want a part of it. We know you're trying to draw people to you, God. So just use us. Help us to, to help you accomplish that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We've got one more song this morning, guys. It's a song of invitation and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today or maybe been speaking to you through this series and you want to pray about that, I'll be up front. Jamie and Jared be up front. You can pray with us or you can just come pray at the Lord's table. Maybe you just want to stand and sing to a holy God, but let's be standing as we sing this last song.